to know Wall Street Journal, NBC News poll. Uh, 90% of Republicans back the Trumpster. 46% approval rating. Uh, after the Cohen-Manafort thing, they went back and asked, and it dropped to just 44%, because, again, I don't think people actually give a crap about Cohen and Manafort, except for the people in the media bubble. That's just uh, the way it is. Three things I think you need to know. Uh, we have a big, gigantic primary happening tomorrow. You may have voted already. I've gotten hit from a lot of people that uh, they already have voted, but it's still a big race. Still need a lot of people to show up. Is it going to be uh, McSally? Is it going to be Ward? Arpaio has literally zero chance. Uh, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, wanted to weigh in on this, and that's pretty cool. Newt, welcome to KNST. How you doing? I'm doing great, and uh, of course, it's impossible to talk to you today and not at least take a minute to say how much Callista and I have uh, sent our prayers and our condolences to the McKinney family. I've known John since 1982, and um, he was a remarkable figure, and uh, he created a really big space of leadership and toughness and uniqueness. So I think every Arizonan can feel proud that, uh, you know, they, they had a state which produced a genuine giant. Yeah, uh, he always uh, had a lot of attention. Uh, I'll tell you that. Now, the talk radio audience, they definitely uh, salute his uh, his service that he uh, that he had in the military and everything he went through. And, man, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. But I'm sure, as you know, there's a lot of talk radio out there, a lot of Arizonans that uh, – had a lot of issues with things that he pushed and promoted in policies as a senator. So, well, look, I had a lot of issues with John on specific things, but at the same time, I had to admire his overall ability and uh, his overall commitment, which, which I thought was quite remarkable. And then uh, I think, you know, you, you want senators ultimately to render independent judgment. Um, and... I'm confident that uh, the primary tomorrow is going to produce somebody who's going to be more than capable of doing that. And I think that that's an important part of this, is to continue a tradition of finding people who have the guts to stand up for what they believe in. Uh, the the only person I know who's in the primary, of course, uh, I've known from her experience in Washington and her background uh, as a fighter pilot, and, and that's exactly uh, who I, I suspect. Uh, we'll win tomorrow and then have a really, really important general election race. You know, it's interesting. I mean, before we talk about McSally and Ward, one one question about the whole McCain situation, because the media loves him because he reached across the aisle and all that other stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, one thing that I've always wondered, and nobody ever addresses in the media, is that was there anybody that was similar to McCain uh, on the Democratic side that would call out his own party, do that stuff? I, I can't really think of one. Can you? Well, I, I think, first of all, I think the Democratic Party is a much more machine-oriented party, and the Democratic Party has much greater power to punish people. Uh, I, In fact, I had a number of Democrats who became Republicans while I was in Congress because they got so fed up with liberal Democrats beating them up for their votes uh, and, and telling them, uh, you know, you, you had better do what I want you to. Or, for example, I know at least one occasion with a particular member where he was told, He's going to lose his committee slot, and he just came to us and said, I'm disgusted, and I want to switch parties. So we gained a number of Democrats over the years who were sick of that, but it does give them much more of a disciplined herd instinct uh, than you get on the Republican side. And and part of that's the nature of the two parties. If you're a conservative and you believe in individual liberty and you believe in individual opinion, um, you know, you're going to put up with a lot more because you respect the right of people to disagree. 
Mm. If you're a, a left-wing socialist-type liberal, uh, you want to be part of a lemming-like group. Uh, I describe them as muskots. Uh, you want to all be in the same herd, and you all want to stay together, uh, and nobody's allowed to think for themselves. But that's okay, because that's who you are. Yep. And we'll talk more about them and, and the upcoming uh, midterms and everything else in just a second. Newt Gingrich is on KNST AM790. Um, now, you've come out and you've supported Martha McSally. Um, I have my issues with Martha McSally uh, because she has kind of, she's been all over the board. And, you know, just as a talk show host, um, you know, you can agree, you can disagree, whatever it is, but it's telling to me. Uh, when you won't even come on a radio show, she won't go on a decent amount of media here in Arizona because she doesn't want to have to answer questions. So a lot of people, including me as an Arizona voter, sit back and say you were for amnesty. Now, all of a sudden, you're against amnesty. You had your name on an amnesty bill. Now you scrub that off. You scrubbed a YouTube video where you're demanding uh, protection for DACA recipients. So, you know, why should I or anybody here in Arizona trust Martha McSally enough to send her to the Senate? Well, all I'm saying is in my experience working with her and talking with her over the years, um, I think that she is tough-minded. I think she understands that she's to get through a very tough general election. Um, and my view is, and again, I'm an outsider, I'm not in Arizona, mm-hmm. but my analytical view would be that she clearly has the best chance to win the general election. Uh, and that that's, a, that, that's a very big part of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I watched a number of people some of them friends of mine, some of them I campaigned for, uh, who won various Senate primaries over the last six or eight years, who had no hope in the general election. Uh, in, in Delaware, in uh, Missouri, um, in Nevada. And two of those two cases, I actually campaigned for the person because uh, I wrote him a team player. You were the nomination. I want to help you. But when I look at I looked out and I thought, given where we are today, my guess is, as an analyst, that um, McSally has the best chance to win the general election. And that that's got to be a big part of our council is I'd, I'd rather have a Republican, uh, and, I, and I'd say this, for example, with Susan Collins, so I'm sure your, your audience mm. think is way too late. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have Susan Collins than a liberal Democrat from Maine. Because Susan Collins walks in, and she gives Mitch McConnell and the Republicans the majority, and you look at the number of judges we've gotten through, you look at the number of conservative judges we've gotten through, uh, and Susan Collins is a part of that majority. So in the years when I was speaker, when we built the first Republican majority in 40 years, we reached out to a lot of people and we tried to understand, you know, what does it take to win in Buffalo, New York? What does it take to win in Tucson? What does it take to win in uh, downtown Los Angeles? Let me tell you, those are three different candidates. Yeah, uh, and, and my view was... If they'll help us be a majority and they'll help us govern and they'll help us set the agenda, uh, they're a big step in the right direction. So why do you think Kelly Ward won't be able to win in the in the general? Well, look, I'm not going to say anything negative about her. Hmm. I, I, first of all, I don't know her that well. And, and uh, she, everything I've heard, she's a good, solid conservative. Uh, but all I can tell you is the people I talk to and the analysts I talk to uh, have, I feel pretty confident that uh, we would, that McSally have would, would be a stronger candidate in the general election, but I'm, I'm in no way going to you know, go out here and say anything negative about about Kelly. And I think again, you know, it's a free country, and people have the right to run. And I, I never, you know, and Joe Arpaio has the right to run. Although, I, as you said, and I agree with you, I think his chance to get the nomination is somewhere between slim and none. Yeah. 
Well, and, and but, again, but nonetheless, in a free country, people get to go and try to do. I mean, who, who would have thought? And I can say this because I was there. I mean, who would have thought in January of 2015 uh, that Donald J. Trump was going to become the Republican nominee and then win the presidency? Uh, but he had every right as an American citizen to run. He didn't have any requirement to say, gee, you haven't been a governor, you haven't been a senator, you haven't served in the cabinet, therefore you're disqualified, you can't join the Republican club. And instead we said, look, it's, it's, it's open to anybody with guts. Well, let me ask you this. Newt Gingrich is on KNST AM 790. First off, uh, I'm with you on that. As soon as, and you don't know this, and I'm not lying about it, but as soon as he came down that uh, that escalator, maybe not in January, in June, I said, that guy's going to win. My wife thought I was a little bit crazy. I'm like, he's connecting like nobody has connected before. He's saying the things that people have been dying for politicians yep. to say. Um, now, just, just I, I know you're not here. Um, there, do, do your analyst friends, anybody that you know that, is apparently looking at this Arizona race, this Senate primary race. Are they saying anything uh, about Martha, about maybe, you know, you know, she she might turn off conservatives. She will never say if she actually voted for Trump. She said bad things about Trump. In days before the election, she wouldn't even say if she's going to support Trump. And, you know, all of a sudden, Trump's being successful, and she jumps on the bandwagon. And so you're going, which Martha is it going to be? Can I trust her? Because I know you said really good things about John McCain, but John McCain here in Arizona campaigned on building a dang fence. Didn't do it. Campaigned on repealing Obamacare. Voted to keep it in. So we sit back and say, are we going to get another John McCain and Jeff Flake and Martha McSally? Sure, look, I, I, I can appreciate that. Um, my guess is you're not. Uh, and, and I would just say this again. Hmm. I, I was for Trump from a very early point. And Chris and I have known Trump for a long time. And uh, it was actually an Arizona event. Uh, the rally he held, I think it was in Phoenix, in July of 2015, yep. that convinced me that, that he, he had really found something powerful and that he had the style and the tone uh, to go on and become president. But I think there, there were a lot of people who started out uh, very, very skeptical of Trump, and then for a lot of them with, frankly, pretty good reason. And I think that as you watched him learn, and as you watched him show enormous endurance and enormous commitment, uh, whether it's on uh, the massive amount of deregulation, building the wall, which is happening, despite every effort of the liberal Democrats, and, and that's going to be a big issue in the fall campaign because the Democrats clearly are now the party of open borders, they're the party of abolishing ICE, they're the party of sanctuary cities. Uh, and I think if we get down to an election choice this fall that's that that broad, that the Democrats are going to lose far more than anybody in Washington uh, thinks they are as of today. And and I would simply say that I think that the Trump majority will continue to grow and continue to evolve, and that uh, someone like McSally will be a part of that. Part of the difference is generational. Uh, John McCain had been around a long time, and I say this as a historian, I'm actually writing a paper right now on uh, big change elections and how they occur, uh, because I think this fall could be a big change election. When you go back and you look, when you get a change, Reagan in 1980, for example, um, that is that big, you have a lot of folks who have a hard, particularly older folks who've been around a long time, who have a very hard time initially making the transition. Uh, and there were a number of very skeptical Republicans uh, who thought that Reagan uh, was a wild man, that he had, he had these crazy ideas like tax cuts. Um, you know, Howard Baker, who was his majority leader in the Senate, said it was a riverboat gamble. 
his vice presidential nominee, George H.W. Bush, said it was voodoo economics, which he retracted after he got to be the vice presidential nominee. <laughs> but you go, you, know, you go through these kind of changes, and Trump is redefining the core structure of American politics. And as he does that, you're going to see some people disappear. Uh, you know, I mean, my, my personal guess is that the, um, the noisiest of the anti of the never Trumpers, just, they'll just gradually disappear. They'll, they'll become, you know, college professors and, and uh, sit around with a, with, a, with a blog site. But they'll, they'll be irrelevant in American politics. Uh, and I think the other thing that will happen is you'll see more and more Democrats who are attracted to Trump and who begin leaving the Democratic Party. Newt Gingrich is on KNST AM 790. Uh, I want to get your expertise on this. All the Democrats are talking about his impeachment. Well, at least the, new, the networks are. Pelosi's trying to get him to be quiet. They literally have nothing to run on. I, I, maybe I'm in my own bubble. But I, again, I, was, I thought I was on it, and I was on it with Trump. I got lucky on that one. Um, with the economy going as well as it is, now it looks like we have a trade deal going on with Mexico. The market's going to go up even more. This is not Obama uh, printing money with QE 1, 2, and 3. This is real, tangible stuff. With the economy up so up, the growth over 4%. Atlanta Fed said, what, 4 6 they're predicting? Unemployment so low. Is the media completely wrong again like they were a couple of years ago by saying there's going to be a change in the House and the Democrats are going to pick that up and try to impeach Trump? Well, I think if the Democrats win the House, they will feel compelled by their activists to try to impeach Trump. Uh, they just won't have any choice. Because their activists will go crazy if they don't. But I think that that also is a big disadvantage to Democrats. And, and it's, it's not that they don't have anything to run on. It's if they told you what they really wanted to do, it would be worse than impeachment. I mean, if they honestly got up and said, uh, the Feinstein bill, for example, in the Senate, is an absolute open borders bill on mm-hmm. every single Democratic senator co-sponsored it. Well, I, I mean, anybody in this country who runs a in favor of open borders outside of the, of the deepest inner cities, they're just going to get killed statewide. Um, when you look at their, their policy on raising taxes, I mean, you know, you have the lowest black unemployment in history. You would think that liberals and the black caucus uh, would at least you know, send a birthday cake to Trump or something. I mean, <laughs> this, should, this should, I mean, think about it. This should be a great positive national achievement. And instead, of course, they just you know you have you have people who go crazy um, and talk about impeaching him, even though he is objectively doing more today for the black community than Barack Obama did. Yep. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's truly mind-numbing uh, the the degree to which the left uh, and I, I I tell people the the way to understand what's happened is that at eight o'clock on election night in two thousand sixteen. Every liberal in America was about to pop the champagne. They were going to get the first woman president. They were going to break the glass ceiling, et cetera. And by 10 o'clock that night, they suddenly realized with horror that she was going to lose, which meant that Donald J. Trump was going to become president. And the psychic trauma of that two hours was so deep that they have the equivalent, the political equivalent of post-traumatic stress syndrome. And they've, they've been through a psychotic event. And every morning when they wake up and they start to get awake and be happy, they read five Trump tweets and they get they suddenly realize he really is president, and they just go nuts again. And so you have an entire wing of American politics, probably 20% of the system, which is currently just deranged. Well, do you think that they're actually going to somehow get in there and retake the House? 
I mean, it just defies looking at how, like you said, everything that you have Democrats want to abolish ICE. They want open borders. They want to repeal the tax cuts. They want to strengthen no, Obamacare. Everything that they want to if, do if, it just drives us into the into the, the gutter. How can they win? Right. Look, if well, if well, if Republicans get their act together, uh, they will have a shattering victory this fall. And election night of eighteen will be as bad for liberals as election night of sixteen. But remember what the news media, the, the liberal media, and the Democrats want to do. They want to run on three year olds being separated from their parents at the border. Uh, they want to run on scandals. Uh, they want to run on on on. Uh, any kind of junk issue they can make up because they know if it gets to be a real choice of values and a real choice of policies, they're just going to be destroyed. So, and, and that's that's why you have this whole current position. So really quick, Newt Gingrich is on KNST AM 790. If you're a betting man, what do you think happens midterms in the, uh, in the House and in the Senate? In the Senate, we pick up seats. The question is whether we pick up two or we pick up eight. But you look at places like New Jersey, where Menendez has a huge corruption problem. Uh, you look at Florida, where, where Scott is beating Nelson decisively. Uh, I could see us be, uh, being as high as eight uh, additional Senate seats, which would put us very close to the top of the historic number for Republicans. In the House, I think it's wide open. I think if we do our job correctly, we're going to shock people and gain seats. If we do our job incorrectly, we're going to lose control of the House. And, and it's that big. And I think, wow. I think all of it's on the Republican side. And this you, is, this yeah. is a game where, where if we do our job right, the Democrats can't win. And really quick, I know I said one more. If the candidates jump on the Trump train, I mean, it seems like every time that he, he endorses someone, he pulls them over the finish line. Do you think it's a positive that the, 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 the people running for the House and the Senate seats jump on the Trump train and fully uh, get behind what he wants? That will help them win? Of course. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean they should blindly give him their vote. We don't elect the House and Senate to be puppets of the president. But it does mean that, on balance, they should try to work with him and see what they can get done. Okay, uh, Newt, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, I love having you on, man. I would love to get you on in the future, yeah. especially as we get past this primary and go into the general against uh, well, we, Kirsten Cinema. We look forward to it. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's uh, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House on KNST AM 790.